0: I'm reading this morning from Genesis 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. "'Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like "'and bring it to me to eat "'so that I may give you my blessing before I die.'" Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, "'Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, "'Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat.'" So that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, The smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of heaven's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed.
1: Well, good morning. Love this time of the year. The lights are up and we're celebrating the birth of Christ, who is the light of the world. And I hope this morning we will rejoice in the truth of who our Savior is. I want to ask a question of all of us. Could you imagine living the burden of a lie for 28 years of your life? A lie that you told and then you kept having to hold on to and cover so that nobody would ever find out. Lee Jones knew what that was all about. She was the dean of admissions at MIT. And she resigned because it was found out that her resume that she handed in 28 years prior was full of lies saying that she had gone to several different colleges and received many different degrees. She was one when she took on the job in 1997 as dean of admissions. She really was looked to as a guru in the field. She was one leading the way. She wrote many books, one called Less Stress, More Success. Here's a quote from that book. Holding integrity is sometimes very hard to do, because the temptation may be to cheat or to cut corners, but just remember what goes around comes around, meaning that life has a funny way of giving back what you put out. Well, she got back what she put out. One of the things I was thinking about in her life is I wondered if Marilee Jones achieved and and ended up at a place where she really longed to be. Did she meet the goals of her life? Did she live a life that she was content with and happy with? And I thought, you know, maybe for for some of those years, she reached some of her goals. But all with the burden of the deception. The cost of the lie was enormous. She was one who... Ended up losing her whole reputation, her character, and she now had the reputation of one who was a liar, a deceiver, shamed in her field. Sir Walter Scott penned, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when at first we practice to deceive. This is the story of Genesis 27 full of lies and deception and maneuvering, trying to make things happen in our own strength, in our own way. And it's a story, I think, that should cause us to take heed, to think about how we are living our lives. Are we living, trying to manipulate, trying to move ahead, trying to move quickly without seeking out the will of the Lord. And hopefully it will cause us to reflect and, and look to the light of the world as the way of life. It begins with Isaac, Genesis 27, verse 1. It says Isaac was, was very old. He, he's probably around 137 at this time, somewhere right around there. Now, every time I've read this story, I've always thought, in this case of of Jacob and Esau, I always thought they were probably teenagers or young people getting instruction from their mother on how to do things. But you've got to understand, they're old. They're Jackson Kramer old. I mean, they're up there. (laughs) They're 70-some. Jackson looks pretty good for 70, I know. But they are, they're, they're men who should, be, who should be full of wisdom and full of the life of God, being raised by Isaac and Rebekah, the promised line, the seed would come through them. And it says this, this one statement I think summarizes this whole chapter. In the New American Standard says, And Isaac's eyes were too dim to see. That, I believe, is the whole condition of the entire family. A spiritual cataracts had come upon them. The whole family no longer sees the light of the world, which is life. But they live in a spiritual darkness. There there doesn't appear to be any pursuit of the Holy One. It doesn't appear to be a desire, like the psalmist says in Psalm 43 Send out thy light and thy truth, O God, and let them lead me. Let them lead me to the holy hill and to your dwelling place, O Lord. Instead of living with that desire and that truth, Isaac. And his family are living in their own strength and living in spiritual blindness. So he calls in Esau. This is the one he loves. Oh, my son, Esau, I want you to be blessed. I want to pass it on to you. Isaac, I believe, knew full well the promises of God. That it would be the younger who would receive the blessing. It would be the older who would serve the younger. In this culture of oral tradition, I have no doubt that Isaac was fully aware of where that blessing belonged. And yet he chose to say, "Isaac, Esau, come in here. Let me place this blessing upon you. And so begins round one of Isaac's boxing match with God Almighty, which he will lose. I don't know the time of my death, he says in verse 2. Well, it's true, he doesn't, neither do we. He is getting older. The, The truth is, he's going to live to be 180 years old. And so I don't think it's so much like, oh, let's get our family affairs in order. This whole passage reads... With a real sense of, of urgency. A real sense of haste. Let's get it done. Isaac says to Esau, get in here quickly. Basically, let's, let's sin. Let's do it quickly. Let's get it over with. I know, like when I sin, I don't like to stay there and dwell upon it. I like to just do it and get it done with. Right? That's what's happening here. Let's do it quickly. Hopefully, we can do it and, and be deceptive. And then, if we do it quick enough, maybe we won't get caught. You'll see that throughout this whole passage of Genesis 27. There's no waiting upon the Lord anywhere in this section, which is exactly where they need to be. And so do you and I in this season of haste. Come in here, Isaac. Come in here, Esau. I want to bless you. And Isaac, who is old, instead of being wise and full of light, is foolish and dim. Trying to make his way happen. Isaac Isaac was a guy truly that for most of his life lived for his own pleasure. He he's the guy he's the guy that that stands around the turkey at Thanksgiving, waiting for the first trimmings to come off. Maybe maybe you're that person, I don't know. But that was his life. He was the turkey guy. I mean he he always wanted the, the pleasure, the taste, always licking his lips. And you start to see he was a man who sought after his own pleasure, making things life, life good. And he loved tasty food. He loved the game of Esau, the red, red. That red meat is so tasty. And he sought after that. And he says, oh, go and hunt for me, Esau. Prepare for me that savory dish and and, and bring me some figgy pudding. I love it. That I may eat, and then after I eat and am satisfied, then I will bless you. I mean, everything's about Isaac here. He's really satisfied primarily with good food. And Isaac is led by his appetite, and yet he doesn't dine at the banquet table of the Lord God Almighty. Which he has placed before all of us who are followers of Jesus. His banquet table, his food. I am the bread of life. Eat of me. Isaac is eating of flesh and of sin and living for self. And it poses the question for all of us, where are we eating at lately? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness. And here's the promise of Jesus to you and to me. And you will be satisfied. Where are you eating at lately? Because he is our satisfaction. We don't think life makes sense. Life is full of chaos. We have everything around us. And I'm in the middle of the shadow of the valley of death. Psalm 23. And you know what the Lord does right there? He sets a banquet table before me in the midst of my enemies. He says, come and rest and wait and sup with me. I stand at the door and knock, and if you open it, I will come in and I will sup with you and you with me. Isaac's led by an appetite of self and selfishness and self-seeking. I will pass along my blessing to my oldest son, who I love more than Jacob. Prepare that savory dish. Isaac seems to have lost his first love, like the church of Ephesus had. And, and surprise, you know, as you think of his life, this is the guy who, at about 15, goes up to Mount Moriah with his father and is willing to be bound. He could have taken his dad easy. Willing to be bound to be the sacrifice. Trusting not only his father, but the heavenly father. That's Isaac's faith. Then we see what Jackson taught us last week. Isaac allows God to fight for him amidst the king Abimelech. And lets God work in his life, and he trusts God, and he rests there. And you go, ah, Isaac, a man of faith. And then we show up in chapter 27... And his eyes are too dim to see. We should take heed, shouldn't we? I know if you're like me, there's been times on my spiritual journey where my eyes, for whatever reason, get fogged over. All of us have probably gone down that path. And the Lord doesn't want us to stay there. Because he's the light of the world. His eyes are too dim to see, and all of a sudden he's blind like this when he had been holding on to God. And you go, why? How does a guy get to this place? How does a family get to this place? How do we in our, our spiritual journey end up here? There's a beautiful song out by uh, Casting Crowns. It's called Slow Fade. I really want you to listen to it on, on uh, YouTube if you don't have the, if you don't have the CD. Go buy the CD. It's a great song. It says, it's, it's a slow fade when we give ourselves away. It's a slow fade when and black and white turn to gray. People don't just crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. And I thought, you know what? I think that's what happened with Isaac and his family. And I think that's what happens with us. We slowly fade away. We kind of start doing our own thing. We start living in our own thinking about how life should be. And we slowly fade away into a spiritual darkness. And the Lord came because he is light and wants to bring us back. Isaac's at this place of this living in his his own will. and And he seems to have turned a blind eye to everything. Oh yeah, that's right, the older was supposed to serve the younger. Didn't see that. Oh yeah, that's true, the the blessing was supposed to be this beautiful public celebration. We would gather everybody together and have an amazing banquet and pass on the blessing in the middle of the whole clan and everybody would know and it would be a joyous occasion. And where is this done? hidden in the dark rooms, nobody knowing, secret talk going on. Oh, I turned my blind eye to the fact, that's right, Esau took on pagan wives, absolutely destroyed my spirit to the core, left me bitter and, and just grievous over my son's choices. But I'll turn a blind eye to that. Do you see where he's headed? And where we can head sometimes. And as we watch Isaac make these choices in Genesis 27, and we, we get involved in the story, you want to just go, Isaac, what are you thinking? What? Don't do it. The whole world shouted that out when Bill Belichick went for it on fourth down. Did you see that? The paper had it. And the title was this in the Idaho Statesman. What are you thinking, Bill Belichick? You're playing the Colts, and they're fierce, and Peyton Manning has the best quarterback that there is, and you're going against them, and you go for it on fourth down, and everything that you were afraid of, everything that you were afraid of happened, which is you didn't make it. Peyton Manning gets the ball, he drives it in for a touchdown. Your team loses. What are you thinking? I think it's a fair question. What is he thinking? He loved Tom Brady. He didn't love his defense very much. Tom Brady was his chosen one, and he wanted to go with that. I'm going to gamble on what I believe to be true and how it's going to work out. And the whole world again cries out, what are you thinking? And we want to say the same. And you know what? As a family of Christ, as brothers and sisters who journey together, sometimes we need to say that into each other's lives. Truly, what are you thinking with these choices that you are making? This is not of God. This is not the way of the light of the world. Stop. These choices will lead nothing but to failure. The outcome of this will be you will lose this game. Don't go for it on fourth and three. It's not a wise choice. What are you thinking? And we do that in love, but we need to speak into each other's lives when sometimes our eyes are too dim to see. The same happens with Rebecca. We want to cry out to Rebecca, his wife, as she begins in verse 5 and starts putting together this master plan of deception. It says this in verse 5. Now, Rebecca was listening to Isaac as... He's speaking to Esau. She should have been listening to the Lord. And the Hebrew indicates that Rebecca was in the habit of this. The Hebrew tends to lean toward she listened often. Cup to the wall. What's happening here in my household? And I thought, what a sad state of affairs for the Isaacson family. A family that ended up with such mistrust, a marriage that honestly, you can't read the text and not go, this marriage was hurting. There wasn't much intimacy. There wasn't sharing of life. It, was, it became a, a place of deception and, and lack of intimacy. And, and again, I don't trust my husband, so I've got to listen to find out what he's, what he's doing. And I go, how, how does a wife, how does a family end up in such a place? How did Rebecca get there? I think part of it falls upon Isaac who seemed to be trying to lead his family out of spiritual darkness, too dim to see, even on his own. And that permeated his family. Instead of living in the light of the world, the family had been covered with this fog like it does in the Bay Area and it comes off the coast and it blankets the whole bay and you can't see a thing. This is the family of Isaac. And he's living right there. Husbands, listen to me. Love your wives by washing them in the water of the word of God. Bring truth into your family. Do not back away from that. Bring the Word of God and the light of the world into your family so that you and your family do not end up in spiritual blindness. Bring the goodness and the promises of God. Remind your family of everything that God has promised and His faithfulness. Bring that to the family and never stop bringing it because when you do, it's a slow fade. Rebecca, who again is her own woman in the Lord, okay, and she chooses to sin, live in the flesh, by fulfilling God's promises in the manner that that she sees fit. You can imagine Rebecca saying, well, it's the Lord's will, Jacob, that you receive the blessing. Obviously, God has checked out, so we need to step in and make this happen. But in our spiritual journey, the end does not justify or the means do not justify the end. Scriptures say in Romans 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what Jackson brought to us last week. His enemy comes into the camp and he could have gone to war because he blocked up his wells. But instead, he lays a banquet table out before Abimelech, sends him off in peace. That is the blessing. She, Rebecca, is fighting for God's blessing, but she cares nothing about God's honor, about his name, about his reputation, thinking in her own mind, well, he's supposed to get this blessing. We've got to make it happen. And she goes down this incredible path, of destruction and she does it again in haste. The whole story is in haste. Nobody waiting upon the Lord. Do what I tell you, you nice 76-year-old son, listen to your mother. I know some of you guys still get that from your moms. Do what I tell you. Don't listen to God, listen to your mother who's sinning right now. I'm going to throw together some goat and we're going we're gonna to work it out so it'll taste hopefully like the game. And, and then he's gonna, Isaac's going to give you the blessing. And you go, Rebecca, where do you think that blessing even comes from? And to accomplish her plan when Jacob is sort of questioning what's going on, she says, listen, if there is a curse, I will take it upon myself. Boy, she's at a dark place in her spiritual journey, isn't she? listen, we're going to get Esau's clothes and we'll put you in those and then I'm going to cover you with goat hair so that you'll be hairy like he is. And then she makes the food. She gives it to Jacob and the deception is delivered with spices on top. Rebekah, she who snares, her name means, who sets a trap, says to Jacob, whose name means deceiver, what a duo, Let's trick your father, Isaac, whose name is Laughter, and we'll see who gets the last laugh on this deal. You know, I was thinking as I was reading this story, do you you think this plan just came to Rebecca like spur of the moment? This is a master plan. And I thought she had faded away so far from the Lord at this point, had missed the light of the world. She has Esau's clothes. Where do you get those from? He's 76. He's married. He's living in another tent. How did she grab a hold of those? All the steps seem to be formulated just at the right moment. All the planning and trying to spiritualize again her sinful actions. Don't we do that? I'm pretty sure this is what God would have me do. We try to, we try to tag God onto the end of our sin. This is what the Lord would have, I'm sure of it. The Lord gave me this prophecy, I must fulfill it in my own terms, Rebecca's thinking. And, and again, as you read the story, you can't help but have the question what should have Rebecca done? Isaac is trying to thwart God's plans. What if a brother or sister is living out a life and they're, they're going against God? What do you do? That's the question for Rebecca. What should have she done? Let me suggest a few things. I think she should have, when she overheard, as she continually did, when she heard her husband, I think she should have gone in and said, Isaac, what are you thinking? This is not the promise of God. Do you remember what he said? The younger will be the one. He will receive the blessing. What are you doing, husband? She should have gone in and reminded him of truth and spoken truth into his life about the light of the world. Wives, listen to me. Speak truth into your husband's lives when sometimes their eyes are too dim to see. You are our oneness. You are the one that God has given us. We are together to be moving closer to the Lord. Speak truth into our lives. Sometimes we are too dim to see. And God has you as we move together towards Christ. You have every right to speak into your husband's life and do so. So he might wake up and see the light of Christ and repent And move back into relationship with the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of your ways. And he will make your path straight. And after Rebecca spoke into her husband's life, I think she should have. Said, okay, Lord, take it. I trust you to fulfill your promises. She should have acknowledged in a sovereign God. But she responds with evil, with deception, and we cry out, What are you thinking, Rebecca? But her eyes have become too dim to see. And let me just say this spiritual truth to you. If you are unable to act in a way that is consistent with God's truth, with his word, then let God act on behalf of himself. If you are unable to act in the light, then let God act on behalf of himself. He's a big God who fulfills his promises. Let him be God. Don't go blow up the abortion clinic because you say, well, God values life. Yeah, he does. Let him be God. You continue to speak truth about the value to those people. You continue to love those people who are confused and don't understand how they take life away. Let God be God. Let Him fight His own battle. The web of deception continues and it goes on with Jacob. He's 76 again about this time and he is in spiritual darkness and he's living a life just like the rest of the family. In verse 11, he said, it's interesting about Jacob, whose name again means deceiver. It's interesting that his only concern when his mother brings this whole plot is, well, what if I get caught? Because Esau, as you know, is a hairy man. He's caught up on the hairy man thing. You know, it's amazing. This is a little side note. They just recently, archaeology today, they found, uh, Christian archaeology, they found these drawings that related to this ancient text of Jacob and Esau. And I just want to show you, they found a, a drawing of Esau that was unbelievable and uh, <laughs> uh, amazing, amazing. I never knew that Chewbacca's lineage uh, came from here, but it was just an amazing discovery. I just thought I'd share that with you. Quick side note. Jacob's concerned. He's a hairy man. And we're going we're we're to trick father. It's going to appear as though I'm tricking father. Well, duh. I mean, really? All you're concerned about is that you're, you're going to get caught? What, whatever happened to... This is wrong, Mom. This is a bad, bad plan. Whatever happened to that? He doesn't lay it out. And he goes on... Look at Esau. I mean, just the lies that pile upon lies. And this happens to you and me when we choose deception, when we choose to lie to hopefully manipulate a situation. Look at verse 19. Jacob said to his father, look at the light, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me, father. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And Isaac asked his son, but how, how did you find it so quickly, son? And then these next words just send a chill down your spine. Son to Father. Oh, the Lord gave me favor, Father, in my hunt. The Lord granted me success. What a dark spiritual blindness had fallen upon Jacob. It was through his line that the promise was to come. But at this point in his life, he is a broken man. Everything done in haste in this story, all kinds of secrets and lies and deception conspiracy. Everything seems to be done in their own way, not the way of the Lord, the light of life. There's consequences that play out when we choose to deceive. God has a way of getting our attention, doesn't he, when we have our eyes get to a place that they're too dark to see. C. S. Lewis said, A little lie is is like a little pregnancy. It just keeps growing, doesn't it? And this lie is going to give birth to amazing destruction for Isaac's family. The spiritual reality of this story is if we sow to the flesh, we will reap the flesh, the consequences of sin. Here's the joy the flip side of the coin. If we sow to the Spirit, you will reap, you will be blessed in spiritual blessing. What are you sowing to right now? There's consequences when we choose to sow to the flesh. For Isaac, he tried to box God, and and when he realized he, he loses, he trembles violently Isaac tried to trick his family, and they end up tricking him, don't they? He sought to give his eldest son the blessing, the one he loved the most, and he gave it all to Jacob. Isaac's heart was set on that which was contrary to the revealed word of God. What an incredibly lonely, desperate place, I think. He had 40 more years or so to live up to 180, to deal with the consequences of his sin, a family torn apart. There's consequences in our sin. It would appear eventually he did see the light. We see him in Hebrews 11. It says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. So at some point, some point, God got a hold of him and he saw the light again. But you still live with the outcome of your choices of sin. Take heed, brothers and sisters. For Rebecca and Jacob, they tasted sweet success, and they were running down, they got in the end zone, and then all of a sudden the yellow flag is thrown. Touchdowns called back. Blocking in the back, actually stabbing in the back. Big penalty, and now you lose the game. For Rebecca, you've got to understand something. She loved, she loved her hairless Jacob. He was a smooth man. She loved him to the core. What happened to that relationship? Because now Esau is in a murderous rage, she has to send Jacob off out in the land. You know what? As far as we can tell, they never see each other again. Can you imagine that with the son, daughter that you absolutely love? That relationship is done. Her life is now left with her husband Isaac who she doesn't trust in the first place and with her other son Esau who has grieved her heart deeply because he's taken pagan wives and then he goes on later to take more. You'll learn more about Esau next week when Jackson teaches. And then at the end we don't even read about her death which is in the oriental mind it's shameful. All we find out is that she's buried in the cave of Machpelah. It's not even mentioned. What a lonely ending for a woman who chose to deceive, seeking the blessing in her own way. And when she sowed to the flesh, she reaped the consequences of flesh. Jacob, who would one day become Israel, and we know he's going to become a great man who is Israel, but in the meantime... He goes out and he suffers the loss of his family. He's on the run for fear of death. He ends up bowing down to Esau. And instead of enjoying the bounty and the blessing of his father, instead of receiving the blessing which was already promised to him, God would have just given it to him. But he manipulated everything with his mother. And the consequences of that played out. And so he ends up being one who is the father of Israel, uh, the nations of Israel. But then he's deceived, right, about Joseph. Oh, he's dead. He died. Wild animals got him. And then later on in life about Benjamin. And he shows up. He shows up in Egypt at the end of his life. And he says to Pharaoh this. Few and full of trouble have been the days of my life. Sin always Leads to destruction. It always leads to separation from one another. But here's the truth, dear saints God, in all of his grace, is calling you back to relationship with him. When your eyes have become too dim to see, he's saying, Would you return to me like the prodigal? Would you see the light? Again, which is life. And would you live in my way? I believe that He longs for us, and I believe you long to live in the light. As followers of Christ, we want to be there. That's what we desire. But we end up living for self and in the darkness. The Holy Spirit reveals light to us, He prompts us. I think sometimes He uses people in your lives, family, friends, to speak light into your life? Would you hear them? Because that's the work of God trying to draw you back. And I want to say to any of you who have been living with a lie, have been living caught up in deception, and living with a sin that weighs heavy on you, I just want to encourage you this morning, if you want to draw near to the light, then repent. Repent of your sin. Come before a gracious God, and say, Lord, would you forgive me? I have been living, and my eyes are becoming too dim to see. And here's the promise of the Lord. I am quick to forgive, he says to you and me. This is why I came as a babe. I came to grow up and to be the one who would die for your sin. This is why I'm here, light of the world. That if you would believe upon me, you would... Have life. You will no longer perish, but have life. Repent. Draw near to the light by, by believing as truth. Don't buy into the big lie. The big lie is, hey, did God really say that? Eve? And we, we, we buy the lie like, oh yeah, I can probably make this work. You know, we're going to be facing some serious financial times. And the challenge, I think, for many is how am I going to handle this finance? What do I do with taxes coming up? Or it's not going to work out with the money I have, and so somehow I need to manipulate the numbers or the system in order to make it work. Don't believe that lie. Come eat at the banquet table of the Lord, who is all-sufficient. Don't you know that I care for you so much? I created you. You're my child. Let him provide for you. Draw near to the light. As scriptures say, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I hope that none of us get too adjusted to the dark. There are, we're still in the cave. We may have adjusted to the dark, but the reality is we're in the dark. And we need to be seeing that sliver of light through the crack and realize that's Christ, that's his light, and I'm going to go towards that. He says this, Jesus does of himself. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So hold on to his promises. Even when we're in the fog, even when it doesn't seem to make sense, hold on to the fact that he is the giver of life and he is the giver of of good things and blessings upon your life, and he wants to give them to you. You don't have to take them in your own way. It's his joy to bless you, like it would have been his joy just to bless Jacob. And live in this promise, Psalm 18. You, O Lord, you keep my lamp burning. My God, he is the one who turns my darkness into light. Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning that, that Your light would, would shine into our lives. Father, forgive us when we have sinned against You with deception and with lies and we've tried to manipulate things in our lives where we, we haven't waited upon You, Father. Lord, I ask that You would help us to wait upon You and give us Your truth. Pierce our hearts, Father, with Your light this morning, I pray. In your beautiful name, amen.